Lord. Hi, my name is Laura Wendell, and I started coming to Christ Church in December of 2011. So my journey begins in Appleton, Wisconsin, where I was born and raised in a family of four. I started going to a Bible camp with one of my best friends. I went to Lake Longren in um, seventh grade and um, really got to know what what Jesus was all, was all about. Um, that week there, the verse we were all to memorize just happened to be Jeremiah 29, 13, which is, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And to this day, that is the only verse I still have memorized. So my journey continues in January of 2001 when I was 16 years old and my father was diagnosed with throat cancer. So. Um, through that, my dad was still super supportive in everything I did. Um, I played music, I was on the cheerleading squad, my sister was in band, she was on the dance team. Um, you know, when you're 16, you're really invincible and you don't think anything bad's ever going to happen to you, to anyone in your family, um, and so I lasted the next couple of years and went on my way to college in, uh, September, actually end of August of 2003. Um, my dad helped me pack my car up, drove up to UW-Eau Claire, and got up there. And five days later, I got the phone call that I had to come home. So he was in a comatose state. And when I got home, I missed him up two hours. got back home, had to plan everything, and um, really just wanted to run away right away. Went back to college um, the, the day after his funeral, tried to go right back to my normal life as much as it, as it could have been normal. After a while, I realized that I was where my dad wanted me to be. He knew I wanted to become a music teacher, and I knew I wanted to become a music teacher, so that's what I was there for. Got home after graduation and uh, started living with my mom, and um, after a year of becoming a substitute teacher, I found a great job um, in Fredonia, Wisconsin, and I know that most people say things things happen for a reason. You know, this happens for this reason, and this happens for this reason. Uh, it just took me a little while to realize that most of these reasons are God's plan. And God's plan was for my dad to move on, for me to learn, for me to grow, and for me to get a job in Fredonia, Wisconsin. One of my very best friends that I met right away, her name's Lindsay, and she started asking me to come to church. And mind you, the entire college career, I refused to go to church. I was angry with God. I didn't understand. I didn't want any part of it. 
tried to go to church once, cried through the service, could not handle it. So I was still pretty, pretty tentative into going and understanding. So um, after about six months of Lindsay continuing to ask me to come to church with her on Sundays, I, I went. Oh, I'd say maybe a month or so into these Bible studies, two months, um, and in your circle, you read read the verses, and um, Steve, who was our Bible study leader, gave me my verse, and just so happened it was Jeremiah 29:13, the only verse I've had memorized since seventh grade, and that's when I realized this is it. This is my reason. God was so blunt with me that day. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And hands down, I cried. I knew that was it. I knew that he sent me that message for a purpose of knowing I was ready to be a part of, to have God as part of my life. I met my now current roommate in Mequon, and her name is Alyssa. And Alyssa um, and I were talking about churches, and I have some great parents of my students. I teach music. My students' parents told me about Christ Church, and it sounded great. It sounded like everything I needed, great music, great fellowship, great sermons, great messages. Um, started coming in December of 2011, trying to come as many Sundays as I am in town. I'm still learning about God. I'm still growing my faith. I'm hoping to continue learning for many, many, many years to come. And Christ Church has really opened its doors and its arms to new followers like myself. And for that reason, I am Christ Church. Praise God for what uh, Laura experienced, huh? Isn't that great? Yeah, she's going to help us this morning uh, understand a resolve that uh, we just need to come to grips with, uh, come to grips with in our life if if we know Christ. Uh, if if you're in the room today and you're one of those people that you know believes in the T-shirt here that says I am Christ Church, that that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, then there's some resolves that we need to have in our life and some resolves we need to hold on to here uh, at Christ Church. And that's what we're doing in this series, is looking at some of these uh, resolves. Last week we had kind of the general resolve that said, uh, listen, we're here to make an impact. Remember? Well, today we're going to try to to, uh, to to build on that a little bit uh, and go a little deeper with what that means for us uh, by getting that next resolve. And the next resolve I want to propose for you is uh, that if you really are a sold-out Christ follower, if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then you need to resolve that uh, you're going to focus beyond yourself. That that you make that that shift, and and you kind of hear that, and you say, "Well, okay, that that that's all right, easy enough, right?" No, uh-uh, not not easy, not easy. See, because where we come from is an orientation that says life is all about us. Right around around Scripture, and you read through it, and around the church, we, we have this one word. It's really easy to spell. It's called sin, right? And you spell it S-I-N. Am I correct? 
Yeah, thank you. But there's a new way to spell it I got for you. It's like new math. There's a different way to spell it. And, and the way you really ought to spell that word, that word is to spell it S, big I, little n. Right? It means me in the middle of everything. And, and before Jesus Christ takes over your life, that's where you live. Right? That's where you live. You, you live a life that says, well, it's all about me. It's all about my wants. It's all about my desires. It's all about my dreams. It's all about me. I mean, you experience this every day. You experience it every day in all kinds of the smallest of ways. Why do people always cut in front of you on the freeway just to get in that little dinky space when you're leaving good distance between you and the next car? Well, they cram in there because it's all about them, not you. It's all about them, right? I mean, how many instances can you think of in this brief moment where, where you get frustrated because somebody is doing just that? They're doing something that simply says, wait, it's, it's all about me. I'm first. But if Jesus Christ takes over your life, if you say Jesus is Lord, then you're no longer captured by that I-ness. You're no longer captured by that power of sin. And you get a different orientation in life. And that orientation is the resolve. The resolve that says, my life is no longer my own. My life now is all about Jesus Christ and other people. It's not me. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus Christ. And if it's all about Jesus Christ, it means it's got to be about other people. Let me kind of take, take you into Acts 3, and we'll wander our way a little bit this morning in the message through this experience in, in Acts 3 with Peter and John. And here's where it starts, the third verse of Acts 3. And it says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple. Now, I want you to notice right away, it just says one day. Was this a special day? No. Was this somehow some you know, anniversary or some holy day or some really special, awesome experience? No. It was just one day. It was just a regular day for these guys. It was just one day. And if you look at it, they're doing a really good thing on this one day. They're going up to the temple. Why? Well, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was time for prayer. So here's uh, Peter and John, and they're doing a really good religious thing. They're going up to the temple, and they're going to have a time of worship, and they're going to have a time of prayer, and they're going to focus on God. Good thing? Absolutely. Awesome good thing. And it's just one day. And yet, in the midst of the one day, God challenges them with their orientation. Are they about them, or are they really about Him? And if they're really about Him, they'll be about other people. We get this uh, taught to us in other places in Scripture, like Ephesians 5. Uh, Paul says to us, do as God does. You could just kind of stop right there. Do as God does. Well, what God do? Well, what God do? God thought about you. I mean, God thought about you. He thought about you. He, he valued you more than anything. He, he put you higher than himself. He put you higher than his son, Jesus Christ. He thought about you. And because he thought about you, he was ready to sacrifice everything for you. Paul says, that's what we should do. That, that's, if Christ is now part of our life, then that's where we live. That's what we're about. That's our resolve. We're going to do as God does. We're going to live a life that's not about us, but all about him, and therefore all about other people. He says, 
After all, you are his dear children. Let love be your guide. Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a sacrifice that pleases God. So if we're all about Christ, then we'll do what he's done. And if Peter and John are all about Christ, then they're going to honor Christ. They're going to go worship and be in prayer and, and do that good religious stuff that they were about to do. But they always have to be ready for the opportunity of serving somebody else. We get it also in Ephesians, a few verses later, where Paul says, Honor Christ and, say it with me, will you? Put others first. Oh, how'd that feel? You see, that's right, right up against that all about me stuff, isn't it? I mean, that's just like, okay, if you're going to honor Christ, do that. Honor Christ. If he's Lord of your life, you honor Christ. That means you put others first. Life's no longer about you. It's about God being in the center of your life. And if he's in the center of your life, you're going to focus beyond yourself and you're going to focus on other people. You're going to be resolved to make that difference in other people's lives. What does it mean? It means that if you're going to be that resolved person that puts God at the center of your life and therefore puts others first, then you've got to be ready to go where hurting people are. You've got to be ready to go where hurting people are. When Peter and John went to the temple that day to do their religious thing, they went to the temp temple and they entered at the beautiful gate. And at the beautiful gate was precisely the place where there was a hurting person. The text says, a man unable to walk was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. He had, he had been that way since he was born. Every day, someone put him near the gate. There he would beg from people going into the temple courtyards. Now notice, remember we just started saying on one day. Just, just one day. And now we run into every day. What's happening every day in this guy's life? Every day in this guy's life, he's faced with his own struggle. Every day since birth. So when he was a child, when he was a teenager, and now as a man, all he can do is get somebody else to take him to the temple gate so he can try to beg for some shekels. Every day, he's in a world of hurt. Every single day. That's all he knows. That's the only existence that he's about, is every day. And on that day... Peter and John were willing to go into the beautiful gate. They were willing to go in the beautiful gate. They went to the place where a hurting person was. Now, would you be surprised by this? We can look at this text and see how Jesus was willing to do exactly the same thing. Right? We can go to John 4, and we get the experience where Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he decides to go up to Galilee, and it says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. What happens? Jesus puts himself in a position to interact with hurting people. He goes from Jerusalem to Galilee. Now what's really cool is when you look at the map, when you look at the map and figure out what Jesus was doing here, right? So down here we have Judea. Here is Jerusalem. Up here is the Sea of Galilee. And here's where Jesus usually hung out, around Capernaum, right? So he's got to go from Jerusalem up to Capernaum. 
in the middle is Samaria. Now, we look at that as good, you know, GPS people and say, yeah, sure, right. You just kind of go straight line, just go right up through there, right? And, uh, you know, so there's Syker, which is uh, where the well was. And you figure, yeah, okay, you just do the here to there, you just do the straight line. But you don't realize what Jesus is doing is taking the hard route. Because that, that whole path, this whole path, is all mountainous area. He's taking a hard route. He could have taken an easy route. Now, the easy route would have been to go this way, follow the River Jordan, and go up to the Sea of Galilee, because that's all pretty flat, nice stuff over there. And he could have just gone that way and taken the easy route to get up to his place. But instead, he says, no, we've got to go through Samaria. Can you imagine what his disciples thought on the day when he said, we're going to the Sea of Galilee again, guys. We're going back home. And uh, by the way, we're going through Samaria. His disciples would have heard that and said, you want to go where? You, you want to do what? Nobody goes through Samaria. First of all, it's a hard journey that's a tough path. And second of all, who wants anything to do with those people that live in Samaria? They're worthless people. They're not authentic Jews. They're, they're those people that are mixed, and, and they're like dogs to us. What in the world are you thinking that you want to go to Samaria? That's what they would have said. But Jesus went to Samaria. Why? That's where hurting people are. That's where hurting people are. See, if, if we take serious what it is to be a follower of Christ and we resolve and say that God is the center of our life and we're going to honor Christ, it means we're going to put others first. And that means we're going to put ourselves in positions to be in contact with hurting people. We're going to go where hurting people are. We're not going to pull away from the world. We're not going to be a, a holy huddle that just together, gets together with each other and is comfortable and cozy and and sings kumbaya, right? We're, we're going to go into those places where hurting people are because we're resolved to put God first. And when you go to those hurting places, it means you've got to resolve yourself to be able to confront the hurt and touch the hurt. You've got to resolve yourself to be able to confront the hurt and touch the hurt. So Peter and John go to the beautiful gate. There's a guy there. The guy's hurting He's been hurting his whole life. Look what Peter does, John. He saw that Peter and John were about to enter, so he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and so did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man watched him closely. He expected to get something from them. This is an amazing interaction. When you're walking by somebody that wants something from you, what is your normal reaction? Right? Geez, I hope they don't look at me. And whatever you do, don't make eye contact. What did these guys just do? They went into this hurting place they discovered this hurting man and they demanded that he look straight at him. Not only did they engage in him, I mean, not only did they go ahead and engage straight at him and confront straight at him, but they demanded the same from him. They said, listen, look at this. Look at me. Confront it. 
deal with it. Now, this is so hard for us. You see, we can hang out with hurting people, but we want to also hang out with those hurting people and just talk about last Thursday's Packer game. I mean, if you're a Packer fan, you want to talk about it. But, but it, I mean, isn't that right? Stay in a safe place. Stay in safe language. And yet Peter and John, they focus on him and they confront him. They want to focus on what's really going on in his life. This is a challenge. If you're ready to say Jesus is Lord and you're resolved to live the life God wants you to live, it means you'll focus on other people and you'll be ready and willing to engage in their hurts. Ready and willing to engage and focus on what the real thing is going on in their life. Peter and John engage them. Now, we hear that, and a lot of times our reaction is to say, wow, you know, not so sure I can do that. Not, not so sure I'm comfortable with that. I understand. I understand completely. But you need to understand, again, where you started. You started by saying, I'm going to honor Christ. And if I'm going to honor Christ, I'm going to put others first. You've got to start with, I'm going to honor Christ. And say, listen, my life isn't my own anymore. It belongs to Jesus Christ. If it belongs to Jesus Christ, He is not going to waste your life. He is not going to put you in a position that He hasn't equipped you for. He is not going to put you in a position that you don't have an answer for. And He's not going to put you in a position that He isn't already there. Deuteronomy 31. The Lord Himself will do what? Go ahead of you. Don't want you to miss that. Lights just came on, so you can't miss that one, huh? The Lord Himself will go ahead of you. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never desert you. Do you get? Do you think the Deuteronomy guy is trying to get something through to us? You see, when you're in those places where hurting people are, and you're confronting it, and you're taking the risk with them, He's already there. He's already there. Jesus encouraged His followers when He sent them out. He knew they were going to face tough times. When you focus on people, you're going to go to Samaria, you're going to face some tough times. Jesus reassures him. He says, because of me, you're going to be dragged before rulers and kings and, and tell them, the, the Gentiles, about your faith. But when someone arrests you, don't worry about what you say or how you're going to say it. At that time, you'll be given the words to say, but you will not really be the one speaking. The Spirit from your Father will tell you what to say. Isn't that reassuring? It means you can go to Samaria. It means you can go to the beautiful gate. It means you can go to that place in somebody's life and start talking to them about what's really important in their life. You see, that's the truth this morning. The truth this morning is, you know some people who are living in Samaria. You, you know some folks who come every day to the beautiful gate, and their life is just hurting, and it's not in the place God wants it to be. And it's your opportunity to get resolved. To get resolved and say, I'm ready to go there. Hey, just think, when you heard Laura this morning, just just think of the folks. What, what would her life be like if there weren't some folks who were Christ followers that entered into her life and were willing to say, Laura, listen, you need to come to church with me. Laura, listen, you need to, you need to come to church with me. They were willing to go to that place where she was hurting about the loss of her dad. 
They were willing to go to that place, recognize that she was a hurting person and say, I've got an answer for you. You need to come to church with me. And did you catch, did you catch how long it took for those folks to keep inviting? Anybody catch how long? Thanks. Six months. Six months. This wasn't a quick thing. They went to Samaria again and again. They went to the beautiful gate again and again. Six months. They kept saying, Laura, look at me. Laura, look at me. You need to come with me. Laura, you need to come with me. Laura, we need to confront the hurt in your life. And you need to meet the person that is the answer. That's what happens to Peter. That's what happens to John and this person at the gate. It even says that Peter took him by the right hand and helped him up. Peter got personally involved and he physically took him by the hand and helped him up. See, there's some folks in your life, if you're a Christ follower, I'm convinced this. There's some folks in your life that are waiting for you to take their hand. Waiting for you to take their hand and be able to say to them, listen, God wants something better in your life. God's got a better purpose and a better dream in your life if you're just ready to sit down and talk about some serious stuff. Just look at me. You ready to talk about some serious stuff? You see, that, they're just waiting for that. They really are. And, and when you get to that moment and, and you're just trusting in the Lord that He's going to give you the right words, you need to make sure you give Him the most important thing. That's what Peter does. Peter comes to the guy and he says, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter gives him the most valuable thing he can give him. He tells him and introduces him to the power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Now some of you are saying, wow, okay, I'm with you so far, Pastor, but that's going a long ways. I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. You know how? We got a core class. We got a core opportunity for you. It's called the Christian Life and Witness class. Why do you take it? You take it because when you get done with that class, you're going to be able to go to Samaria. You're going to be able to go to the beautiful gate. And every day when God creates the opportunity for you to get serious in somebody else's life and touch their hurt, you're going to be able to tell them, listen, here's what makes my life work. Jesus Christ. That's what it took for Laura. That's what it took. Some people to come alongside her and just say, Laura, listen, you got to come. Laura, you got to confront this. you got to come. And because of that, she's still coming. And because of that, her life is in a different place. Because of that, she can have faith. How important is it? Hebrews tells us, without faith, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and that he rewards everyone who searches for him. We've got the answer. We just got to resolve, just resolve and say, it's not about me anymore. It's all about God, and it's all about other people. It's not about me anymore. It's all about the opportunity that God creates in my life to make a difference in somebody else's life, to let them know the most valuable thing, Jesus Christ is Lord. It is to fulfill Jeremiah 29. It's what Laura knew, right? When you look for me with all your heart, you will find me. If you go to Samaria, if you go to the beautiful gate, if you put yourself out there and resolve, God will honor that. God will honor that, and he will change lives around you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We ask that you would use us in that way. Help us. 
Help us to just get resolved. Help us to resolve that our life is no longer our own. It is all yours. It's all about you. Help us to get resolved to live that life that goes to Samaria, that goes by the beautiful gate, doesn't just walk past people, doesn't just stay in safe, safe language and safe places, but gets into those places where there really is hurt. Father, we know there's folks in the room today who have that same hurt. And, and I just want to give them the most valuable thing this morning. I want them to know how much Jesus Christ loves them and how he's willing to die for them and how he gave up everything so their life could be different. And that today, in this very moment, they can give themselves to Christ, surrender everything that's old, and live that new life. They can experience the reward of walking with Christ. And Father, we ask you today, just work in this room, work in these lives, and help us. Help us as a church. Help us to always be willing to go to that place where people are. We thank you now and praise you for what you've prepared and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.